Sue was singing so good, I thought it was me. Why don't you take your seats? Well, we've got our service up at Alliston this morning as well. So we have a team up there. The Bible College students have uh, headed to Alliston. So they're going to have a great time up there. But we're going to have a better time here, don't you think? Of course we are. So I just want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. I want to read this out to you before we get into the message this morning. It says, I can't read it on the back one, my eyes aren't working that good. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way, or, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who med, uh, meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I love the start of that scripture, but I want to just use that as the launch pad this morning for... for the subject that we're going into. So this year, our theme in the church is freedom or the word free. And uh, we've just finished uh, a week or so ago um, a, a mini series on free financially. And who enjoyed that? So if it made you squirm, today's one's going to make you squirm even more. So uh, uh, I need a drum roll to introduce the subject for today. So Jansen, give us a drum roll. Okay, who's interested to hear what our, our today's message is? Yeah. Lust. Hey, who wants to leave now? <laughs> so I'll give you a definition of, of that word lust. Thanks, musicians. You can go now. I just need them to stay there for the drum roll. But if you, if you are here this morning and you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you've taken the time to come to church this morning. Um, if it's not the type of church you're used to, um, that's just how we express ourselves in our worship. Uh, it's not the right way, the only way, it's just our way, that's all. So hopefully you can uh, live with that. So th this word lust means lots of things, I guess, in our thinking. But I hope this morning it's not exhaustive, it's not the whole be-all and end-all of that word, but we're going to look at a few things spiritually uh, that hopefully will help you to uh, strengthen your life against this thing. So by definition, our first and obvious definition when we think of the word lust, is sexual. Well, it is for me. Maybe I'm the only one like that, but that's what we often think. I'm a person, and you're all persons, so we kind of think the same. But uh, it also is the relationship of desire before commitment or love. That's lust. It's a relationship of desire before commitment or love. Sometimes without commitment or love. That's lust. If we take it one step further, lust could also be defined as uncontrolled desires for anything without respect or consequences. That's just my own definition of that word lust, which I think is really powerful that we understand lust defined as uncontrolled desire for anything without respect or consequences. So it's like, I don't care what the 
what the consequence may be. I've got my mind set on this. So it could be as simple as thinking, I, I don't care what it's going to cost me. I want that thing. I want that item. It could be, could be anything at all, but you think uh, uh, you throw uh, all reason out the window because you've got your eyes set on something that, that you don't care. So long as you get that, that's all you're going to be satisfied with. That's called a lust. Lust can be also, some of these things, it's not just sexual. Uh, lust can be for prominence, or position. Some people lust after things. They, they lust after leadership. They can lust after a title. They can lust after these things. So uh, when, when we're talking about this this morning, it can mean a various amount of things to individuals. So I'll give you some examples from the Bible of people consumed by lust and its ultimate end. So I love the Bible because it's got so much good in it. And as I, I made this list, then, then I thought of more and more and more people. So some examples from the Bible. Absalom, he was King David's son. He had a lust for power and it cost him his life. And there's scripture verses there if you want to look them up. Samson, we all know the story of Samson. Strong man with a small brain. He had a lust for women and it cost him his strength, his eyesight and ultimately his life. Amnon, another one of King David's sons. He lusted after Tamar, which was his sister. And so he raped her and he was killed by her brother, which happens to be Absalom, the top of the list. But, the, but he, he, was, he was a classic lust of sexual lust. Uh, then there's Abimelech. Who's ever heard of him? Yeah, most of you. That's uh, awesome. <clears throat> he lusted power and he died trying to stay in power. We won't go through the whole story of these people. But as I, 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 I thought of that list, uh, there's also other people in the Bible. That, that, I mean, I think I could go on and on and on of different people. Others who caught that, that were caught in the lust trap that we find in the Bible. Uh, 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 Joab. We've all heard of Joab. I think he was king, one of King David's men. Uh, uh, Jezebel, the classic lust uh, uh, icon in the Bible, is, is a Jezebel. Uh, uh, Judas was caught in a lust. Um, and also the sons of Eli, the, 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 the Eli the priest before Samuel became the, the, the prophet the, the prophet and leader for the nation. Eli was, was the leader, so to speak, and, and his sons were caught in sexual lust. So we see, and these are just the, the tip of the iceberg. You think, why, why, God, do you put all these things in the Bible? Why haven't you got all the beautiful, sweet and lovely stories? We're going to see today that, that these things are there because they're there as, a, as a, a, um, a, a guidepost for us to avoid the same mistakes. And as I said, when we're talking about freedom financially and finances and money, and I made the distinction there that we don't always talk about money, and, and so we don't always talk about lust and sexual things in the church, they're part of life and we need to talk about it. That's why we want to be a church that talks about the things that are part of life that we need to understand and use the Word of God to direct us to a better outcome with our life. And the ultimate thing I need to say is if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to come to an understanding that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus and you can have your sins forgiven and you can be set free totally from lots of life's baggage just by that one decision. So i just throw that out there for you. Maybe you can talk to me later if you feel to do that. But uh, the, all these names of people that I've mentioned, these characters in the Bible, they all 
succumbed. They all were victims of their lust. Now, you know, I don't want to go too far in this, but sometimes lust is demonic from, from an evil spirit. But sometimes, and, and, and I think, you know, I'm not going to point at anyone, but sometimes we're pretty good without any demon influence at, at letting our lust run because it's part of our nature and we can let that happen. Um, in Proverbs 14, so I just hopefully you can see a theme there of what happens, but Proverbs 14 verse 12 and Proverbs 16 verse 25 says there's a way that seems right to a person or right to a man, but it ends in death. And sometimes, or I think almost every time in, in the Bible, those who were led by their lustful desires ended with a pretty common end. They all ended dead. Now, I don't think that if we're talking about a physical thing that's going to happen to people here today if we don't deal with these things, but most definitely it's a spiritual thing that will come upon you that will destroy your potential spiritually if you allow your life to be motivated by a lust. So, everyone say sex. That'll do. It's no surprise that today people have greater access to porn than ever. I don't need to give you uh, clues where to find it, but it is everywhere. So not giving any, any suggestions here. I had the unfortunate background of being exposed to porn uh, magazines from about eight years old. And uh, me and my friends, we'd find them along the railway, in the railway worker camps. We lived by the railway tracks and the, and the railway workers used to set up little camps where they worked and, and they'd leave behind their magazines and we'd go there after school and yippity doo da, look what we found. And we would steal them all and stash them so we could you know, have our own stash. I went from being a kid who was exposed to this stuff to then going into a work environment where it was, it was uh, many people were, were, were you know, absorbed by this stuff. And it was everywhere in my early working career. But I remember by the time I was in my, my early 20s um, getting sick of this stuff and so, and it's like you could, you could have anything on the walls in, in the smoko hut, but if you put a sign that says porn free zone, then you're a dead duck. It's like you, you're, you're, you're just weird and, and, and people have got to make your life terrible. And so I, put, I made this big area, I put porn free zone and I put a big picture of Lake's entrance. And, uh, and, and I had some, some uh, I got the Weekly Times, which is a, a newspaper from Melbourne. And I put, put some pictures of some cattle and some sheep and, and things like that. <clears throat> and you know, I'd come in, people would have pulled it all down or put other stuff on top of it. But uh, those things are, dominated, are dominating those, those people's lives because they're caught in a lust trap. And our theme for this year is to be free, to live free spiritually. And we need to shake off the traps, whether it's that or something else. But today we're just dealing with that. So the thing about lust is just like a minor drip, it could be easily fixed. When left unchecked, it causes a lot of damage over time. And there's a plumber's nightmare where there's a drip. You think, it could have easily been so uh, easily fixed. 
but it was left unnoticed for a long time. Drip, drip, drip. So if it's in a kitchen cupboard, the cupboard will, will swell up and, and start to rot. And then the floor underneath begins to rot away. And, and then the next thing you know, someone's a whole leg goes through the floor because of a single drip that was left unattended to. A drip under a sink swells and all that sort of stuff. But left unchecked, they, uh, um, lust in our life can be like a drip. Just a little bit over time. And then we find relationships get affected. Marriages get affected. And what can easily be dealt with when left leads to ruin in our spirit. And so we need to discover ways in which we can turn off those drips. Turn off that flow. Turn off that influence. Because if we don't, it costs us a lot more than we ever thought it would. So sometimes it's not big things that keep us down, but lots of little things. Song of Songs 2.15. It's the small foxes that ruin the vine. There's two cute little foxes that we think, what harm could they ever do? What harm could, could a, a little fox do in my life? And we might think, but, but the, the, these parts... Um, that are unseen, these drips that no one else can see, they can have a huge impact. And this um, scripture I've just put up there is part of a Bible love song. Uh, it's meaning pay attention to small things in your personal space because they can have a big impact on your future. They start off cute and controllable, but they don't stay that way. Today, I hope you can fix the drips, the small things, and walk out of here free with some boundaries to, to protect yourself. I'm using a, a reference to, to King David. So I hope if, you, if you're um, not used to church, I'm using a lot of these people's names who you're thinking, well, I don't know who you're talking about. Um, that's our reference point this morning. We're using the Bible to, to bring out these characters today. But King David was a man in the Bible, and he was almost ruined by sexual lust. 2 Samuel 11, 11, 2 says this. There he is. That's what he looked like on that day. It says, From the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. So David the king, this is a story when he, when he uh, lusts after a woman. Her name was Bathsheba. And uh, they embark on a lust relationship that goes terribly wrong. I don't know of one that would go terribly right. But this one is an example to us of, of a lust relationship that went terribly wrong. So she gets pregnant and King David arranges her husband's death. Uh, then, then she has the baby and the baby dies and, and it's just like this terrible tragedy unfolding. And all around um, this situation, lust that was unchecked makes a mess all around itself. And that's one thing I think uh, if we, if we want to make our life complicated if we want to make one mess worse then leave lust unresolved and you'll find that, you, that mm, i don't want to say a swear word but you'll find that the muck just gets worse it just gets spread it blows out and except by the grace of god david would have been totally ruined and I want to draw your attention to this really, really, really importantly this morning. One thing we must always be willing to apply to ourselves and to others when caught in the lust trap is the power of God's grace. 
Not saying just, just do it and then go, well, God loves me and I'm going to be saved by his grace. No, don't be stupid. That's being, that's being a fool. But if you are caught by these things, you need to recognize there is a solution. There is a way out. And David found that solution and it was he went back to God. I'll show you that. 2 Samuel 12, 13. It says, David confessed to Nathan. Nathan was a prophet who confronted him. It's a great story. Uh, read it yourselves in 2 Samuel. But it, it, Nathan con- confronts David and he says, David, you've done the wrong thing, basically. And, and David confessed to Nathan, I, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. That's the grace of God. So no matter what depth lust can take us, Jesus paid the way out of it and we need to accept that. Because sometimes we think, well, I've gone too far. I'm just going to have to stay here. I've gone too far. There's no escape anymore. I've gone too far. I might as well just live in this. But you find that that, that constant drip, that constant problem will just, will just make things worse and worse. And, and, and it doesn't matter what happens because that's unresolved. You'll always be footing, putting your foot through the floor. You'll always be having these, these complications that you don't need to live with. You want to be free of all those things. And how do I know that? Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. So I'm not saying that that God doesn't love good people or righteous people or people who haven't crossed the line, but Jesus looks for, for people who need his help. And David needed his help. And so he turned to God and he said, I've sinned before God. And I remember once as I was a connect group leader and we had, had, a, had a meeting. We were talking about this scripture about what, what, that one where, where David said, I've sinned before the Lord. And I, was, and I don't know, I was trying to prove a point, but uh, no one ever let me forget it. And I said, it doesn't matter whether you, you um, sin against a person, sin against a, a fish, it's a sin against God. And so everyone remember that, that we can sin against fish, but... There's three times in the Gospels that, um, that Jesus mentions, uh, well, it's recorded, this same thing. That it's not, the, uh, you know, it's the sick people who need a doctor. It's the people who are broken and hurting that need God in their life. So being free from lust begins when we confess it to God and turn from its hold. Remember, just a little drip over a long time causes severe damage. A little drip in, in, a, in a bathroom can cause a lot of damage if it's left for a long time. Same in our life. I'm the type of person that wants to believe in uh, one prayer and everything gets fixed. Who's like me? Think, Why don't we just pray and get over it? I, I wish it was so simple. I'd say, yes, pray. But add to that, take it to God first, but add to that boundaries that you can get free from lust and its deception. So a few things about lust. Lust feeds on our imaginations. It feeds on our fantasies and it feeds off our greed. All things that aren't spiritually uh, good for our growth. And its greatest strength is deception because it portrays something in, 
in a way that looks like that's the answer that you need. It portrays something that's an illusion, but, but says, go after this. So if your marriage is a little bit shaky, there'll be a lust that will sneak in and speak into you and say, that relationship over there with that guy at work is, is going to be so much better. Or, or that lady that you met on the bus, that's going to be so much sweeter. If you go down a relationship with that person and lust speaks an illusion, a deception that promises things that aren't accurate. So lust is a trap that defies the principles of right living. Lust doesn't wait for the right time or the right person or the right way. Lust takes a moment, but it affects a lifetime. Serious life crashes often start like drips that are just left unattended. I'll just deal with that one day. I'm not ready. You know, one of the things that really scares me is when people come and talk to me and then I'll say, well, do we want to deal with this? And they say, no, I don't think I want to right now. And you think, so, so what are you going to wait for? Wait till your, your, your marriage is wrecked? Wait till your relationships with your kids is wrecked? Wait till your, till your, your, your relationships and you, you lose your job and, and you go down this, this pathway of, of ruining yourself because you won't deal with the small drips. Now, today we're talking about lust, but we could take that into all kinds of different areas of our life. Why don't we just learn to say, God, will you help me? I'm going to be honest with you, Lord, and, and deal with the issues that, 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 are, that are the drips. Maybe no one else can see the drip in the dark, but, but you know it's there. And maybe you can't see what it's doing, but you need to realize you know, by the, by the voice of the Holy Spirit that something isn't right. So lust is a trap that defies the principles of right living. So we've looked at lust and what it looks like when it's left unattended, like a drip. It can do a lot of damage. Probably, uh, sorry. No, oh, I might not have put this one in. Proverbs 25, verse 28. It says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls and i think we could translate that that uh those two words self-control a person with lust uncontrolled is like a city with broken down walls there's no defense there's no natural ability it's like having uh, no immune system in your body so you, you, your body can't fight back the bacteria. Your, your body can't fight back the sickness because you've broken down the wall. So when it comes to moral, uh, morality, moral issues, your life can't fight those things back because you've got no self-control. You've let lust take control and then everything comes into your world. And you might think, well, some people would determine this in a worldly sense. Well, isn't that freedom where we just have everything and we just do what we want, when we want, how we want? That's free. No, that's domination of lust. That's not free at all. So we've seen how lust works at a slow pace, that constant drip. There's another element of lust that works at a fast pace. It's a slippery little monkey. Not only do we have to watch the drips that go drip, drip, drip and happen over a long period of time, sometimes when lust can get its, its, its claw on you and, and it, it accelerates at a fast pace. 
It's another way that, the, that, that, that lust operates is at a fast pace. Maybe same thing, different approach. So when things escalate quick, um, quickly, what we think we can control or cover suddenly take over. So, so it, it could happen so easily where you think, well, I accidentally stumbled onto something on, on the internet. And you, your eyes went onto something and you, and you went, oh, that was a mistake but you remember how to get there. So the next thing you know, you're going back for more and you're going back for more and you're going back for more and then it's escalating at a fast pace and then suddenly, only after days or a week or so, you're thinking, I'm trapped. And you've got to make a boundary in your life to say, well, I'm going to stop my ability to be able to get to that because that's how lust escalates quickly in some cases. So in, in this case, lust es uh, escalates to, uh, to becoming a controlling master. And before we know it, if we're uh, living a life, before we know it, we're living a life that we never wanted to. And we're doing things that, that we don't want to do and we, we feel ashamed of and we feel embarrassed about, but it's like we're, we're trapped. We got cornered into this. It's amazing how quickly we can go down the plug hole when lust gets a foothold. I want to give you three quick points to beating lust. The first one, very practical, but very uh, important that we, we discover. And the number one is to be accountable to someone. Because lust loves being left in the dark. Now, being accountable to someone isn't the guy in the butcher shop. It isn't the mechanic. It's definitely not the dentist. But being accountable to someone, spiritual mentor in your life, someone who's got a spiritual commitment to you and a spiritual responsibility. Now, that could be a leader in the church. It could be a trusted uh, Christian friend. But one of the things I think in, in Australian culture today that, that we really are missing is honest relationships, particularly among men. You know, you find women, they get together, hardly know each other. They're talking about how many kids they got, where they went to school, uh, um, all their girly issues, everything. Guys say, hey, go on, mate, see the footy. But being accountable to someone is a really important thing where you have honesty that you can say, I'm struggling in an area. Not so that we can go and tell other people or so that we can condemn each other, but it's so that we can say, hey, you know what? This helped me. This is what you need to do. And you've got someone else to stand with you spiritually, emotionally, and you can be accountable to that person about those kind of issues. The second thing, apply boundaries on yourself. In, in Proverbs, there's, there's, a, there's a proverb that talks about uh, when you build a house to and it's got a flat roof on it, you've got to put a boundary around it. Put a, it says put a fence around the edge you know, so that you can't fall off. And I think so much of life, what lust, what, what lust is like, it's like a, a building with no boundary. And so you think, but I, but I feel safe enough. I know where the boundary lies. I know where I can keep myself in context. But it's too easy to go too far and then you're over the edge. Then when you hit the ground, you're really broken. You could even be killed by that 
But you've got to apply boundaries on yourself. A boundary that I might put on myself may not be good for you. So you, you need to apply a boundary that, that works in your life, in your world, in your context. And that's not something that, that you should be going to your accountability person to say, you put the boundaries on me because they can't be with you all the time. And that's, you know, the, the accountability has one aspect, but boundaries are something you've got to set yourself because there's not always going to be someone there tapping you on the shoulder. And, and the other thing is, is if we don't set the boundary ourselves, we're really good at hiding what we don't want others to see. So we just say, oh, we just avoid things. We just, you know, we, we just sneak out and do things without anyone seeing. But we've got to apply boundaries on ourselves. And the third, and these aren't in order. They're not in, in, in order of, of importance. They're just, they're just there. Uh, so maybe this one's the first one. When, when you are caught in the lust trap, you need to confess it to God and turn from it. You need to go to God with it and say, God, I, I know this thing has me. And I know this takes me down a pathway where I don't want to end up. This takes me down a pathway where I feel, feel guilt. I feel shame. I feel like retreating. I, I don't feel like being around other Christians. Uh, I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like uh, praying anymore. All these sort of things rise up. You've got to just be confessing to God and letting the oil of the Spirit get down into the depths of your spirit, into the depths of your soul and start to cleanse and, and heal and put you back together again. <clears throat> so maybe you're here and you feel like lust is a door you just can't close. It's a trap you just can't get free of. There's hope today. The truth is in Christ we have the power to break free of the destructive influence of lust in all its forms. I guess today we've, we've, we've covered a, a broad aspect of what that word means. But you know, I guess we, we, we might be going down thinking, well, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't look at pornography and I don't do that. But maybe you've got an unhealthy desire for promotion. Maybe you get really upset because, uh, because people don't give you your due respect. That can be, uh, that can be an issue of lust and pride in your life that's just as, just as destructive and can take you just as far down the wrong path. So whether it's a small drip or something that came at you fast, if you're feeling the effects of lust of the lust trap, I want you to consider this. John 8 verse 36. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. I'll say it again. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And what we've got to pursue in our Christian walk, in our time on earth, is to say, Jesus, I want to be set free. I want to be made free. I want to stay free. Because I failed to mention it earlier, the lusts that we don't, that we don't deal with have the potential to fall upon other generations coming behind us. So it was no coincidence, some of those men that we saw early on, there was, there was Absalom, there was Adonijah, these other sons of David. David was caught in a lust trap and the consequences went down the line in his family. 
And we need, to, we need to think as a church, we don't want to pass down the line un, undealt with lusts that, that we struggle with, that we thought no one could see, but we just let the drip into the church and drip into the church and drip into the church. And then we wonder why there's no strength. We wonder why there's no power. We wonder why we don't see the, the blessings of, of God moving among us because we've let the drips have domination. Only one drip at a time. But it's undermined the, the gravity of the gospel. So why don't you bow your heads with me this morning. I want to pray today for people here. I'm not going to, obviously, sensitive today. I don't, I'm not going to ask people to raise their hands or, or stand or come to the front or anything like that. But I hope as I pray this morning, something of the Holy Ghost will touch people. Something of the power of God will enter your situation and start to shake off those lust traps in your life. So dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray today for freedom from the destructive power of lust. Where there's spirits of lust at work, I declare you have no authority in people's lives or power in their lives today. We break your power. We break your curse upon people. We break your ability to constantly drip away and undermine the foundations of people's lives today. We break that power in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, I claim holiness as our banner today at One Heart Church. Holy Spirit, may your holiness be our banner. We ask all that that by your spirit you dwell in us. Be our shield. Be my shield. Why don't you confess that right now? Say, Holy Spirit, be my shield. Be my defender. Be my protector. Confess that to yourself this morning. And make this declaration with me this morning. Repeat after me. I close the door to the lust trap. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless your church. I've had a, 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 a good time delivering that message. So if you squirmed, I'm 